your song, I Just Had Sex, has 338 million views on YouTube. How many of those do you think have had sex? I, it's become more of a thing on TikTok. Like people play it in their cars, like at, as their friend leaves somebody's house on like the walk of shame. So, oh, I, think, so I think really? a lot of people do. Yeah. A lot of people probably have wow. just had sex. I wonder. But I, I don't agree with that. Okay. Celibacy <laughs> until marriage. Guys, let's keep it locked. That is the voice of the great Yorma Takone, of course, uh, from Lonely Island. They wrote sketches and performed sketches on SNL for years. Those they sort of invented a form. They were they were pioneers of a certain type of form of, of short film that uh, became massive. I mean, these videos they made have hundreds of millions of views on YouTube. Um, I just had sex, which was just referenced. Jack Sparrow threw it on the ground, Lazy Sunday, uh, I'm on a boat, the Natalie Portman rap song, which is super famous and hilarious. These three guys came from the Bay Area. They started making these sketches on their own and then they went to SNL and it blew up and then they went on. Uh, Yorma directed the movie MacGruber and the series that sprouted from that on Peacock. They made the movie Hot Rod. Um, they made the movie Popstar, which I love, by the way, if you haven't seen Popstar, it's so good, and I'm not just saying that because I'm, I have a small part in it. I have like a little uh, thing, ridiculous part where I wear a wig in it. Uh, we talk about it today, but it's a super, super funny movie. Um, Yorma also used to be my neighbor. We lived next to each other in Brooklyn. Um, we've been friends for a long time. We have such a good chat today. Uh, before we get started, I just want a, one final reminder. I'll be in Mesa, Arizona this week. There's like 20 tickets left. Salt Lake City, there's only a few tickets left. And uh, if you want to stay tuned about more tour dates that are upcoming, subscribe to the mailing list at burbigs.com, B-I-R-B-I-G-S.com. Uh, oh, and I'm coming, I'm coming to DC, but that's sold out right away. Same with Madison. There are a few tickets left in Indianapolis. I'm gonna be at the uh, Helium Club, comedy club in, uh, in May with all new material. I'm always psyched to go to Indianapolis. And um, this is one of my favorite episodes we've ever done. If you've ever uh, uh, wanted to be a creative person or wanted to create something from scratch, we talk a lot about the idea of creating something and showing people what you've created versus explaining the creative idea, which is something I heard Rick Rubin say recently in an interview, which I think is super smart. And I think Lonely Island and Yorma Tacone are kind of the epitome of that idea. Enjoy my chat with the great Yorma Tacone. I always point to the three of you guys, you and Andy Sandberg and Akiva Schaefer, as an example for creatives of what to do. And the reason I say that is, I think it's always better to do instead of to explain. Um, I, I, I saw an interview with Rick Rubin recently, the great music producer, legendary producer, where he goes like, a lot of times in the studio, it's better to just play something than to explain what you mean. Because everybody takes in how they hear an explanation differently. And Comedy and music, I think, are similar in in that of like trying to explain something funny rather than just making it. Uh, even so far as as like writing it on a, on a page and reading it is still not the same thing as actually seeing it executed. Not even close. So, think, especially so, with your stuff. But but it is it's very similar in that in that way. So sort of thing uh, in that almost all of our stuff because in, in the beginning we were just. Uh, we weren't really asking for permission. We were just sort of like, we were getting approval to like go out and like make something. Yeah. <laughs> but we were literally borrowing a video camera from uh, Maggie Carey, who at the time was uh, Bill Hader's wife, Maggie, wow. sort of thing. And she would she was working at a, a film school and we would literally uh, ask her to borrow a video camera. This, this is before this is like SNL like knew what we were doing exactly. Wow. She would go like to the lockup, get us a video camera. We would shoot on like, so like that's how Lazy Sunday was done, da, da, da. But we would, we so would, you just did it on your own, yeah. On the, we, like on the weekend, like on Sunday no, after you wrapped. No, no, like like for instance, like like the, we did two little shorts before Lazy Sunday. But Lazy Sunday was our our third short 
the Christmas episode of our first year. Yeah. And so like, so as an example, we, we were using the computers that were, had just gotten fast enough that you could kind of do this thing, but we were recording in our offices with uh, the, the Macs that they had in there, like that were used for writing, but we were using them to like, you know, like we would put sound uh, programs on there. We, I like, I made the beat for like Lazy Sunday, yeah. and then we recorded it in our office. We, we had a mic that we had all pulled money, money for, so I think that we had brought out from LA, wow. the three of us. And we because recorded, you were a sketch group before you came on to SNL. Yeah, and so we like so we so we recorded with with Chris Parnell, who we were a fan of his raps that he had done, like right. very violent <laughs> raps that he would do on SNL about like Britney Spears or whatever. And so like so we were like, well, let's do something with him. And we had kind of had a similar song that we had like made uh, before, and we kind of were like, oh, let's do like a mundane, like a super hardcore like rap about like something mundane, like going to see the Chronicles of Narnia. So we like we, but we make this song in the office, and then we get approval enough to be like, hey, on Thursday, like we're gonna go actually record this sort of thing. Like, do you guys mind? Like, and they were like, yeah, you get a couple hours. Like, we were out of the building, and uh, I don't think we got anything on that week. And we re- like recorded everything our, like ourselves, bought dig tapes for this borrowed video camera, illegally borrowed video camera, shooting on I don't even know. Mini DV or something like that. Yes, that makes sense. And then and then uh, and then we we uh, we recorded we recorded it. Me like holding on to Akiva's uh, backpack, like as we're like I'm leading him down the street and I'm playing the song so that they can do it to track. Yeah. So I'm doing like playback on like a Radio Shack speaker that we so we like literally just like got it out of the building, did it ourselves, and then presented it to the show. And uh, this kind of became how how we did things, which was that like so we presented the show. Everybody actually sees it for the first time at dress rehearsal. Oh wow! Uh, for this Christmas episode, so we're about to go on like three weeks break. Lauren sees it for the first time, uh, like uh, uh, that in that dress rehearsal. I think we maybe maybe made a few little tweaks between dress and air, and then it airs. And then, but like, but but that way of doing things of just kind of presenting them to the show after we had like executed them kind of it kind of helped us a ton because our our humor was a little weird it was a little yeah. like with with anybody who's in a, a group of writers you know like a lot of our stuff was like a little hive mindy in that like you know like one person has an idea the other person like piggybacks on that yeah. idea makes it weirder the third guy does the same thing and like and we kind of collectively create our stuff like that. And so it's it's hard to sort of explain why this is going to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> and so we but we like but it helped us a ton at the show because when that first thing hit and people were like what is this? And we and granted we had the 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 um it's a huge advantage to be at the show and present something that's very other from the show. Like yeah. it was our first year was the first year that uh, that that SNL went HD. So it also the the show looked better than it ever had too. And then when you cut to like this like podunk yeah. <laughs> kids making stuff with a video camera, it gave it this tremendous contrast too. So it was like, but it was really helpful for us because that thing that you're talking about of like not having to explain it and just execute it became a thing because nobody quite understood how this first success had happened. And right. we were just like, whoa, these guys came out of nowhere and like, and we made this this thing, like, you know, like the, this, uh, like Lazy Sunday as, as a thing. And then it kind of helped us because we never really presented anything to the show. We just were able to, right. every, everybody <laughs> saw it at dress rehearsal and I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, you know, it's like, yeah, I mean, I have to say like, when I'm, when I'm watching these shorts, I'm thinking to myself, if I was in the writer's room, I hate to admit it, but if this was pitched verbally, I don't know if I would be on board. Like if you came into a writer's yeah. room and were like, okay, so the premise is it's kind of like these guys and they're rappers, but they're kind of like color me bad. They're kind of <laughs> like this like lame rap group. Yeah. And then they're singing about like they're digging a box and it's like it's like a gift box and it like look and it's like, or even like <laughs> it's like it's called Mother Lover, and it's like I fuck your mother, you fuck my mother. It's like I'd be like, yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. I love and that. I s- and now years later, there's a show called Milf Mansion, which yeah. is like basically the premise of Mother Lover. <laughs> You're like, great, so we've come a long way. But a I, long, but if you, long but it, descent. But if you, <laughs> like, if you pitched me Mother Lover, if you were yeah. like, so. I fuck your mother, you fuck my mother. Like, I'd be like, yeah, Yorm, I don't know. Like, it feels a little blue. It feels a little dirty for the sake of, but then when you see it, immediately you're like, yes. Well, here's the advantage that we always had, which is that we, the three of us grew up together. Me and Akiva grew up in Berkeley. Like, I met Akiva, seventh grade. uh, We all went to Willard Junior High and then Berkeley High together. 
So our collective sort of touchstones for everything, both comedy and just like pop culture and all yeah. that sort of stuff, like Color Me Bad, you're like all, all of that. I mean, we oh grew up to like listening to like H-Town, New Edition, all, like, like all came from like, Either hip hop, R and B, like dance hall, reggae, like it's like so. So our our what we liked was already like so. In in trying to explain some like something like that, even the costumes, yeah, we we're yeah, all yeah. like, oh, it has to look like that. like like. So it just it helped because, and I always almost feel like this is like a little bit of a cheat uh, in in terms of like people being able to make stuff together. Is that you get you're kind of insulated with that group because we think it's funny already. Right. You know what I mean? So like, so that, that fear that you have as a solo, if it were you, if you were just solo trying to explain that to somebody yeah. would probably get beaten out of you a little For bit. For sure. But, but, but because there's like three of these, two, like us three weirdos in our, in our little hovel of an office, just yeah. being like, ah, we think it's funny. It, it helped a ton. And then obviously like we were lucky enough to have some successes at the show too in the beginning. And we were just like, so it kind of was like, oh, let them do their thing. And don't get involved too much, which is great. I mean, it's the advantage of the show too is like it's it's always been a show for writers and always been incredible to, in terms of like as a young writer. You know, you know like some people are twenty. Like we met a, lot, a ton of like Simon Rich. Like when I first met him, yeah. he's like fresh out of college. Mulaney, kid, yeah, and they're, and they're so like so there's, there's kids like running that show, which yeah. is like the it's why the show is good because it has this like energy of like yeah, like you just got out of like you know whatever you've been doing and this is your first real job. Yeah, and then and then the show gives you this responsibility of if you get your show your your, your sketch picked, the show's moving too fast, so you're basically in charge of kind of directing whatever whatever sketch it is that you right. So, so these kids are like. Getting to like go pick props and da, 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 and like, right. and, but they're they're emboldened to be like, yeah, this is what's funny. Like, this is like I I have to protect this. And if you don't protect it, you learn very quickly that like your sketch is fucked. Yeah. So like so like so. Um, and then we had the the additional advantage of being like, like uh, we're protecting it because we're editing it, we're making yeah. music, we're doing all all the parts of it. So things. So it's in in addition to to uh, being lucky that like the show was encouraging of us doing stuff. It's also like we're in control of whether it's funny or not. I feel like in some ways you're able to the uh, I was watching the all of the of your shorts in sequence and I was like the more you were able to do the more you were able to do it feels like like so for example like it seemed like with like I remember seeing the Natalie Portman rapping and just being like how did they get her to say this like it's Natalie Portman being like I'm going to kill your talk <laughs> It's like, it's like, how did this well, happen? You, and then did that did that create the opportunity to do it more with you'd more to, people? You'd have to, well, yes, for sure. Like the fact that like that we were able to have like Natalie as yeah. like one of our first big like, oh, she's like wildly famous. You know, like she's been in like all that stuff. She like she just she was promoting V for Vendetta. So you know, she's this like big time star. Yeah, but also like a cool young person too. And she yeah. she came in and she was like. I want to do a, a rap, and we were all like, "Oh no!" Like we don't. It's it's a very uh, you know what we do. As, it's bizarre that what we do is like kind of for us one of the most hateful things you can do. Like fake rap, I can't think of anything worse <laughs> <laughs> than fake rap. <laughs> and we're very quick to be like, "It is not rap music. This is we are frappers. These are not. This is not real rap music." Sort of thing. I've seen real rappers, and real rappers are incredible. Like you know, like we we sit there and do like a, a line, like you know, a ton of times and double it up and da da. Yeah, a real rapper can go in and like spit sixteen bars like off, like, yeah. like straight through, and it's great. Yeah, so like, that's not us. So I think so. So, but to to the point, like having like another white person come in and be like, "I want to do a rap." You're like, "Oh boy, do yeah. you really?" Like, yeah. And, but then she immediately started starts spitting all these like little Kim lyrics that she had that are filthy, like fucking filthy lyrics. Oh wow! So then, like, she just hard, knew, and she's she doing just it knew. hard. Yeah, <laughs> like like to us in our in our little hovel of right, like you know our little. Office. That was just her taste in music. Oh yeah, she just fucking loved it. So she was like, and you're like, Jesus, like you're like, oh my god, and like all right, yeah, like good. And she's like, you know, this is basically is that filthy enough for you? And we're like, yes, that's that's exactly so what you, we want. Oh my gosh! So you were you were like, what kind of thing are you thinking of? And then she was like, I like this, this, and this. Well, I think we had said that. Yeah. When she said, I want to do like a rap song, we were like, it's got to be kind of hardcore. And then she doubled down and was like, well, how about this like level of hardcore? And we were like, yeah, that's that's exactly how hardcore you need to be. It's pretty so extraordinary. So. It's like this Oscar level of acting yeah. combined with this 
completely ridiculous concept. I'm always amazed. And I, like, I'm, I'm assuming through this show, you probably get a lot of that too, of like what some person that you've always like, yeah. like thought of, well, I, th- I think of them in this lane and then what it is that they like. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like it's like uh, Daniel Radcliffe, like was like just watching him like spit. He, he did like Gift a Gab lyrics. He's a rapper from the Bay Area who sadly passed, but like, but uh, who's fantastic. And it's a, really complicated rhyme structure stuff that he does. And like having him on that Tonight Show, like doing Gift of Gab things where you're like, oh, I would have no idea that Daniel Radcliffe likes Black Alicious or whatever. When you were writing Lonely Island sketches, are you thinking, what's the turn? There has to be a turn? No, I think that they occurred naturally. So I think that we're all assuming there, there, there will be, but it's not like a conscious thing of like when that's, we're not thinking along those lines. It's not like two plus two is is comedy kind of thing for us necessarily, but who we are and our level of either boredom with our own ideas, right, or not. Is it wa- bo- I was going to say, is it boredom or not wanting to repeat ourselves? So then, because like, because that was the other advantage slash disadvantage of the show was being like we did something like that last week. So then, so it did help that there were three of us and and. I mean, it was always sort of democracy. Like if two of us understood the idea and the third guy was like, I don't understand why this is funny, you guys, that guy leaves the room. Oh. And the other two work on it. And then the other guy comes back in and will say like the ABC of like what their problem with the idea is. And okay. usually like, so one that would help us in terms of like, of like if one of us had a, a problem with the idea, then we would work on it until that third guy is satiated. You, you bring them over. And, like, and, and either the logic is tighter because of that or right. the joke is funnier because of that or or we get to the kernel of like why why it's better now with the, the, the three of us thinking through something. But the, the other advantage is that, that piggybacking thing that I'm talking about of just like when – one of us is bored with the fucking idea. We're we're moving on. So I think, like like I, we uh, we always had a at least I always think about this with editing of like the dumber the joke, the faster you tell it for us at least, or you don't tell it at all if it's too okay. fucking stupid. What do you what do you explain? I just mean like it's like it's like you we never wanted the audience to get ahead of us, right? So I think so I think that that led to turns. You know, yeah. of just being like of like either we've done it before, so like last week, so thing, or like something we did like two years previous or whatever it is. And so we just always wanted to like challenge ourselves to do something different sort of thing. And and having uh, uh, the three of us, or honestly like like some of the people who we worked with, like Justin Timberlake, like like working with him, he's a funny dude. Like so like so so it's not like like in those later shorts, he would actually spend time with us and like and he's and he's actually like adding to the mix as well. So I think so just having Who's Justin Timberlake? He's uh, is an American recording artist. Um, Did you discover him, Justin Timberlake? No, but what's funny about Justin <laughs> is that uh, I think the three of us, me and Andy Keeve, were were always much more self-deprecating. So I think, and Justin is a man who is you know both handsome, wildly talented, yeah. <laughs> so he's like wildly talented, of, and clearly always has been. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that is not my life. So I think so having Mickey like, Mouse Club like age nine, I yeah, think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So so I don't think he's had many failures in his life. Yeah, yeah. So like so the fact that we could write something to your point about like like how would you know this is good? We thought like we know like everyone's gonna love fucking Dick in a Box. Justin comes in. We we're messing around with that. The minute we're done, he's like, "Is it? Is a hit? This really? Is a hit?" And we're like, "What are you talking about? Wow, guys who are gonna get arrested for putting their penises in boxes at the end of this video. This is a hit." <laughs> I mean, that's that's like a perfect example of like on paper. If you pitched Laser Cats to me, I would just go like, "Yeah, maybe." And then like, I think that what makes Laser Cats work, and maybe I'm completely wrong, and you can explain to me the logic of it, is that you really want, your characters really want to convince Lauren that it's good. I think that that was one of the things that I actually learned at, at SNL. Like, not actually, we learned a lot of things at SNL, but like, but, but was that without the context of Laser Cats is, is basically like two 12 year olds making their own <laughs> film and bringing it to Lauren Michaels. So it's like Andy, Andy and Bill Hader have made a, uh, a, a short film yeah. called Laser Cats where there's been a nuclear war and now cats have the ability to shoot lasers out of their mouths. <laughs> so everyone's using them as weapons. And some, so sometimes they're real cats and sometimes they're fake cats. And part of it came from me cocking my own cat as a gun oh and pretending to shoot, shoot uh, my wife with it, with it. With um, your cat, yeah. Yeah, you're just going. <laughs> Amazing that we're still together. Uh, but like, but like, but, uh, but, um, 
But without the context, and I, th- I may have been Akiva that like pointed this out, but he was like, you you need the audience, and this is often the case with any SNL sketch, um, to look for what the joke is. You didn't and, if even it, know. and if it was just if it was just two 12-year-olds making a, a short, you'd be like, I don't want to watch this. Yeah. But having the judgment of them presenting it to an adult man yes. <laughs> who's seen everything and is over everything yes. and knows this is fucking horrible. Yes. And then we would always like, so they pr- pr- pitch it to Lauren. He says, this sounds like a bad idea. And they say, <laughs> wait, let's watch it before you judge anything. And then it is bad. And then and then we would choose, we would choose the worst, most embarrassing moment in it. And then be like, now you cut back to Lauren. Just being like, yeah, yeah. I, was, I was right. Working It Out is brought to you in part by Liquid IV. We're thrilled to have them as a sponsor. You don't need to be an athlete to need extra hydration through your day. Sometimes you forget to drink water. So it's it's perfect for that. It's great for me because I, I really have to stay hydrated and it's great for long travel days, which is so much of my uh, my touring life. There's a very popular product among the staff of Working It Out. My brother Joe said, it's a great alternative to coffee in the afternoon when I want to pick me up. It's sweet, but it's only got 45 calories. It's a great thing to have in the office. Grab your liquid IV hydration multiplier, sugar-free, in bulk, nationwide at Costco, or you can get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code WORKING for working it out. WORKING is the word, W-O-R-K-I-N-G at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop. Better hydration today using promo code WORKING. Working It Out is supported by Masterclass. We are thrilled to be supported by Masterclass. It's a streaming platform that makes it possible for anyone to watch or listen to hundreds of video lessons taught by more than 150 of the world's best. So, for example, Working It Out listeners might be interested in filmmakers or writers like David Sedaris, Issa Rae, Martin Scorsese, Warner Herzog, Malcolm Gladwell, and more. Margaret Atwood teaches creative writing. Amy Tan teaches fiction, memory, and imagination. That sounds fantastic. Whether you're watching Masterclass on TV, listening in audio mode, or in the app, or on their site, the quality speaks for itself. This holiday season, give one annual membership and get one free at masterclass.com slash Right now, you can get two memberships for the price of one at masterclass.com slash burbigs. Masterclass.com slash burbigs. Offer terms apply. Your song, I Just Had Sex, has 338 million views on YouTube. How many of those do you think have had sex? I've, it's become more of a thing on TikTok. Like people play it in their cars, like as their friend leaves somebody's house on like the walk of shame. So I think think a lot of people do. Yeah. A lot of people probably have just had sex. I wonder, but I I don't agree with that. Okay. (laughs) Celibacy until marriage. (laughs) Guys, let's keep it locked. Let's keep it locked. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If you get anything out of this interview, let's don't have sex until marriage. Yeah, no, that's the key. I think that's the message of Lonely Island generally. Always, always. In a general sense, yeah. yeah there's, a, there's a deep undercurrent. No sex before marriage. I I don't remember that song, though. No, yeah, yeah. Well, you got to read between the lines. <laughs> I mean, maybe this is neither here nor there. The people who love your music, some of them are the people who the three of you nerds yeah. would not like probably so much. Yes, that was that was there was a little bit of a thing that we had with that in terms of like the uh, the expansive, you know, like I mean, obviously you make anything and then you don't know where it goes or how it's going to be. I mean, we, they seem to, to be clear. Ton- you're nerds. Yes, we're we're total nerds. I I'm not going to disagree with that. <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to disagree. You're losers. <laughs> but you know, like you make something like I'm on a boat, and then you, like you see it being played at like Lake Havasu or whatever, and you're like, oh wow, that's that. I didn't What's expect that? you to go What's there. That? It's like uh, like frat culture, like oh, okay. like uh, spring break level, you know. Like, yeah. And you know, the January sixth riots. And, and they people, played oh it. my god, it was huge with that, <laughs> huge with that crowd. But you know what? <laughs> Insurrectionist by sneakers too, as Michael Jordan would say. <laughs> oh my god. 
<laughs> I don't know if you could say that now. Um, I, probably, I bet he wouldn't say that now. <laughs> um, you ha- and I just had sex. You have John McEnroe singing, I just had sex and I'll never go back. <laughs> John McEnroe, one of the greatest tennis players of all time. You yeah. directed him to yeah. say, I just had sex and I, I'll never go I, back. Did I, you ever feel self-conscious directing someone like that? I can't even remember how that happened. That's the miracle of SNL because there's so many people that come through. I mean, you, you, like going to the show, yeah. like for instance, I met, the first time I met Paul McCartney was just coming out of a doorway. I'm sorry, can you repeat that sentence? The first time I met Paul McCartney, I don't know. We're gonna just do a pickup on that again. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you're like, he's coming out of Lauren's <laughs> office and you're just like, hey, this guy is like meant the world to all of I'm our sorry, parents. sorry, we didn't get like, sound on that. Uh, go ahead again, <laughs> start up with uh, the, first the first time, time I, met I met Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, be, you become shy Ronnie? <laughs> shy Ronnie, man, uh, met yeah, Paul McCartney. Yeah, yeah. His, uh, the older I get, the bigger of a dick I think I sound like. <laughs> uh, but you're know, like, or like in the hallways, like like Barack Obama, senator as, at the time, senator. I'm Barack sorry, Obama. we didn't have sound on that. Go ahead again. <laughs> so, but you're like, you're literally shaking hands with people. Who are, but like to, to your point, I don't know how the McEnroe thing happened. Like it was like right. maybe he was in the building, like or right, like, right, right, right. You know, what I mean? just I like, like why is he in it? Um, when you go, so you guys were in the Bay Area, you grew up together. Yeah. And then you didn't all audition for the show, right? Just no, Andy? Me, did? No, me and, me and Andy both auditioned. Oh, you and Andy both show. did, but Akiva didn't. Yes. Okay. And, and so we, and again, we had a, we had a different, uh, like our, our, lives in LA and and how we got to the show were slightly different than most people because most people are like either they're doing like stand up relentlessly which Andy did a ton of uh or they're doing live sketch stuff on like you know, improv olympic or UCB or like wherever they've come from but they've honed <laughs> characters and yeah. sketches and things that they are good at and no work on stage yeah so I think so the fact that Andy did as well as he he did like i mean like Andy auditioned i think he had two auditions i had one because I think they knew. <laughs> um, but it's like the most nerve-wracking thing I've ever done. Like I vomited twice before my, oh my audition. And, uh, Were you on stage at yeah, so, 30 so Rock? We, so we met, we met um, a lot of SNL folks uh, our second year of writing for the MTV Movie Awards. And we, we specifically worked for the MTV Movie Awards because we were like, we get to write for famous people, like oh. like like kind of what SNL is of just like being able to like make make people, famous people do crazy shit. Sort of thing, and have a budget to do it, like of like sketches who, and all that. Who was hosting? Uh, so our first year that we wrote for him was Lindsay Lohan. The second year was Jimmy Fallon. Okay. So when Jimmy was on the show, like Steve Higgins, who's now Jimmy's guy, and like and a big producer on SNL still. And yeah, of course. Yeah, and uh, and I so did. so like so like uh, Higgins was there, and like a bunch of SNL writers, and did that. so so we got to hang out with those guys and kind of not endear ourselves to it, like, but like, but when it came time to go to bat for who gets even audition. It's hard to even get an audition in SNL. Uh, like Andy had kind of proven himself, like, like just worthy of auditioning yeah. sort of thing. And so like, so Andy got to do it. And then I think because we were a trio, they were like, do you guys want to audition too? And I was like, yes, I was more of a performer, but I, I would say I sort of leaned more, almost uh, more drama even than, but like, yeah, but, yeah, I, but, yeah. but equally to Andy, like I didn't have, I didn't even have stand-up experience or anything. So like, so I just, you have to do like, what is it? It's like five, it's like five uh, characters and, or like it's four characters and three impressions or whatever. It's, uh, it's some, some uh, you have to do this yeah. many. But we were making it up like days before we went went on. So I think so. And uh, my, like, I was just glad that I got, I got one good laugh out of Tina. I could tell it was her. Like like it just in the in the dark. Wow. You just go up and you're on camera. It's being beamed to Los Angeles too. So I think so it's fucking terrifying. So I think, and and but I, I did an impression of a 13 year old at a bar mitzvah like who wants to dance but can't. So, so it was a lot of like <laughs> just like nervously like picking at his pockets and oh I like this song. Oh my so gosh. Like, like not saying anything. It was no words. Oh my gosh. But like I got a solid, solid laugh out of Tina. And that, uh, so you know what? Uh, that was almost more worth it than getting the show. I'm just kidding. Uh, but like uh, no. Were like, you when when Andy <laughs> got offered it? Were you? Did you talk among the group of like? Yes, there was a period in which Andy, we knew Andy was hired, and there was about a week or so, or however many days it was, where they weren't letting us know whether we were going to be hired as writers, as well. And me and Keeve 
Akiva had actually gone in and like had a, a writer meeting with with Lauren. Oh. Um, and so the, I didn't. The fact that I didn't have that uh, that meeting and I wasn't going to get picked for the show. I mean, the people that got in that year were like hater. Oh my God. Uh, uh, Andy, I'm just making excuses now of why I didn't get it. But like, but like, but they're fucking hitter. I mean, like yeah. it was like well, that Sudeikis cast was crazy. On, like, Sudeikis was in I that mean, those like years. incredible people sort of thing. Like, and so so it wasn't too surprising that my I think mine was like a little bit more run of the mill kind of like oh he's solid but not Forte like, you know. might have been in there. Wig might have been in Forte there. Forte was already there. Wig got hired that year. Uh, I mean, it was uh, yeah. Our class was yeah. I don't know if you describe it like that, but like but you power know, group incredible. Yeah, like, and and all really sweet. Very encouraging, like like it was it almost felt like a different kind of because I yeah, I remember like we watched like documentaries before we got to SNL that were all like oh, it's cutthroat nobody laughs at their shit yeah yeah nobody wants to like you know, like have their shit get passed over and use yeah. it because they laughed at it and it was not like that for us at least yeah. our class was like very very encouraging and 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 maybe it was because we had like a little insular our little insular group that maybe I didn't experience any of that kind of feeling of like of just like competitiveness in that way but it was also that people were doing really well too you gave so me like this amazing note because I, I did a series of readings for don't think twice at our apartment which you and i were next door neighbors for like a period of years yeah. and so you and your wife mari would come over and help give notes and read parts and don't think twice you gave a note that's like a pretty seminal part of the film which is you were like you were like when Keegan's character gets SNL. You were like, uh, it's not SNL, by the way. It's a different show. Weekend Live. Yeah, Weekend Live. It's a totally different show. You, you can't you, retroactively sue anyone. <laughs> <laughs> you, but you said, you said, like when you started working at SNL, you were like, just when you walk in, there's an awe that you yeah. have when you walk through the halls of a reverence. You're just like, I can't believe. I'm in these halls and I'm supposed to be here. And and you said to me as a as a filmmaking friend, you know, you were like, you should really give Keegan's character a moment to take it in. And we put that in. And I think it's one of the most important parts of the whole movie. It's just a silent moment where he's looking up at the portraits on the walls. It's it's funny that it actually gives me the feeling of like the hair standing on the back of my neck, remembering how that felt for me multiple times too. It's not just like once. There's there's so many moments because you're sleeping there. I slept there twice a week usually on shitty couches and uh, and you're like, granted, they're probably not the same couches as fucking Belushi's. <laughs> like, but you're like, but you're like the people that have come through here and the yeah. legend and even it's even like people who are only on for a season, like Larry David's on the wall. Yeah. Fucking like you know, it's like Sarah. So all these people that you don't even think of. Yeah, as like like oh, ben like Stiller, being like a, yeah. yeah like where you're like. Holy shit! The people who have come through here, and the fact that like not only are you allowed to be there, but to have any success there whatsoever is like is is mind is mind blowing. This is called the this is called the slow round. So, um, okay, do you remember growing up like an inauthentic version of yourself? Like where you cringe, look back, uh, looking back on yourself, like growing up. I don't know if this is inauthentic, but I got into um, I was like goth ish for about like in in high school. I was going. I so we all went to Berkeley High, and then I went to for two years. I went to uh, I left Berkeley High. I went to a, a Catholic all boys school, and I was in. Uh, my friend wanted me to be in a punk band called Rive. I didn't play. He was like, "You can just play power chords." And so, so during this time, I bought like cargo shorts and like a wallet <laughs> chain. I mean, there were people who did this probably successfully, but not me. And like Doc Martens. And then I and then I met on a BART train. I met a girl who went to Cal. I was like my junior year of high school. I met a girl who went to Cal, and because I was like a Berkeley kid, I think I was probably just more. Uh, like we were all drinking at like 14 and uh, don't drink while you're 14. Don't drink don't, or have, don't have sex. sex. Too. Uh, like yeah, those, no, are those are the key. Absolutely do not do those that. Those are guys. What the, he didn't make songs about them, but, but no, don't do them. No, but like, but so I met this girl from Cal, Cal Berkeley, which is college, and she was a freshman. And so I ended up dating this girl. And I was very impressed with myself because I'm like, I'm dating a, a college girl who was like a goth. So she like dressed me in like, um, black flowing skirts and like we went to like uh, like goth clubs in like uh, at Gilman, which is a pretty big um, punk punk uh, 
club in, in wow. it's like where like a Green Day and like a Operation Ivy and like a lot, a lot of those kind of early uh, Bay Area, the ones that popped off kind of. Um, but yeah, like I would say that was Operation in, Ivy. That's a throwback. Inauthentic, isn't it? <laughs> an inauthentic version of myself. Yeah. Can you think of a moment in your life that you realize now changed your life, but you didn't realize it at the time? No, because it was because it was SNL. But if I go, if I if I really go back, it would be meeting Akiva. Meeting Akiva and, and, and Andy. Yeah. And, Andy was like we were we were always sort of because Andy's two years younger than me, a year younger than, than uh, in terms of classes. But but meeting Akiva, I think changed my life for, for me and Andy's life in particular because Akiva was always the most motivated dude I've Is ever. Is he the nerdiest of the group? He, yeah, yes, in terms of like technical savvy, yeah. for sure. Um, yeah, like I've learned all like all, I learned editing from Akiva. I learned, but he's just. He was always. It's interesting that, like, going back to the confidence thing, he was always. He was going into the credit card debt when me and Andy were like so paranoid. Right. Early, early, early days, like post graduating from college, and me and Andy were like temp. We all we would all take shitty temp jobs occasionally yeah. for the through like a temp agency. But Akiva was always just like, yeah, fuck that. <laughs> I'm just gonna go into credit card debt, and then he paid it off like his first week at SNL. But he was always just very confident that like that he was competent enough. I don't think he was like ever thinking like I'm a genius or da, da, da. Yeah. But, like, but I think he was just always like confident that like that we could do it. It would if work we, out. If we if we applied ourselves correctly, which was like making stuff and just and honing our Yeah. I wouldn't say craft because that sounds fucking up its own butt, but like but like but like but just continuing to kind of learn and produce and make stuff. And he was he was he was right. And I, I still don't have that level of confidence that Akiva has. I better now, but like, but he just is like, he just understands things in a different way. Um, really and I think that, that, like, I think I would, I would give it up to Akiva in that way. I mean, like, I think that we all have our own motivation and are, are very motivated people. Yeah, and we all have our own lane, kind of. Yeah, thing. like, I mean, we're very much like Andy's Alvin. Uh, uh, I'm <laughs> Theodore, like the pudgy Theodore, <laughs> and and Akiva Simon. So I think so. Yes, the nerdiest one. But like, but like, but I I do think that like that, I don't think without Akiva, I don't know if we would be here where we are. That's interesting because in Pop Star, you break into your dynamic a bit, you know, and, and then we kind of steal and we kind of steal each other's dynamics, right? Too. Right. <laughs> like there's definitely like a bunch of like Lawrence and me, <laughs> and like you know, like I'm the one who's out on the fucking farm, right? I'm in New York, right? <laughs> so Akiva's character like, is out on the farm, which yeah. in real life is you in New York yeah, across like, the country, like, so yeah, like elements of it, yeah. And then what's and then what's your character? So in pop star, people don't know, like basically it's like a boy band. That yes. was huge. Yeah, they're and like we're kind of the BC Boys, basically. Sort of the BC yeah. Boys, and then we break up. They break up, and then they go different directions, and then they all come together in the yeah. end. And Andy's character becomes wildly famous and successful, and almost like a Bieber level yes. of fame. And then I become like his like uh, DJ who keeps getting relegated further and further back, and right, like, and like being treated less and less like a friend. And then Akiva is so mad about the breakup and a certain kind of. Uh, uh, Disrespect that he got that he sort of loses his mind and goes to, moves to a farm, and then we come back at the end of the movie and our buddies again. But in real, and, and of course, I was in the movie as the TMZ of course, guys, of course, CMZ, right a, <laughs> which is yeah. I shot one day. I shot it was like one, half a day. It's like half the a day. The amount of fucking being, footage we got it's from like you guys. Nine it, minutes of the movie. It's fucking great. It's, it's you, Arnett. I mean, it's like it's Chelsea Peretti, yeah, Eric Andre. It's such a good group Arnett, too. And then, also, by the way, that that's super fun for like just comedy people to have like you and Eric Andre and Chelsea all together. But also, like Arnett's like fucking murdering. Oh, Arnett uh, is one of the funniest people on the planet, and I think all of us, me and Eric and Chelsea. And Will, we're just trying not to laugh. I mean, wearing these crazy wigs and do you remember uh, outfits? Do you remember the bit that he he did? I don't even think it made it into the deleted scenes where he's getting super excited about something and he's clearly like coming on himself. Oh my god! <laughs> and then and then and it's, he's behind a little. I remember in real life, and, and it's the TMZ bit where I he's remember. like leaning over a cubicle, oh so, so you don't see what's happening on his lower half. Oh my and he's god! He's like leaning against his wall, and he's like, mm -hmm. and it's yeah. like, 
No, I remember he's doing this. this thing, and then he, but he does this. I bit. filed a complaint about this. And I then, had never and heard. And he back. does this bit at the end where he wipes. He clearly wipes oh his God. hand on the back this of the horrible. cubicle, and you're just like, oh God, this is horrible. like the level of detail. That's <laughs> so gross. That is anyway. Lego Masters is a great show. He's a uh, you know all American um, now Canadian um, treasure. Working It Out is brought to you in part by GameTime.co. That's not GameTime.com. I don't know. That's a whole other thing. GameTime.co is a, a site where you can get the best tickets for events, sports events, concerts. This is a thing that I'm obsessed with. I don't know about you, but I'm very experience-based, especially if I'm bringing my family. I just want to make sure that the seats are good and I can see everything. And I just think this is a great site. It's an amazing interface, last-minute tickets, flash deals, zone deals, easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area, views from all seats in the venue, lowest price guaranteed, event cancellation protection, job loss protection. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, use the code WIO, that's for working it out, that's WIO, for 20 bucks off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code WIO for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Working It Out is brought to you in part by Helix Mattresses. Helix is uh, our original sponsor. I want to say they were our first or second sponsor ever in the Working It Out history three years ago. Uh, it's an awesome company. They make phenomenal mattresses. The new one that we're, we, I wanted to tell you about is called the Helix Elite. They've harnessed years of extensive mattress expertise to bring their customers an elevated sleep experience. The Elite Collection includes six different mattress models, each tailored for specific sleep positions and firmness preferences. Every Helix Elite mattress comes with a 15-year manufacturer's warranty and the same 100-night trial as the rest of Helix mattresses. Working it out, listeners, uh, get 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows. For our working it out listeners, go to helixsleep.com slash perbigs, promo code HELIXPARTNER. This is their best offer yet, and it will not last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. I was at the McGruber premiere. Jenny in, and I, in New York. New York. Yeah, yeah. Jenny and I were like, we didn't know you at the time. Jenny and I were like, yeah, this was, is going to be the biggest that? comedy in like the decade. You this know, what's, is so what's, funny. What's also sad and made me feel really uh, good and then very bad when it actually came out was that Val Kilmer, who is yeah. who's the plays the villain in in McGruber, uh, and you know he was in. I think he was. He was in Top Secret, which I think was the first comedy that I saw that I was like, oh, I didn't know adults were allowed to be this funny. Yeah. So I think, so it blew my mind. I'm just like, I, I, I didn't amazing. Think this, this is incredible. Yeah. So I think, and so, so, uh, uh, and he was like, I've only been wrong about one movie before. And it's what was going to be successful. No, before this, oh, okay, he okay. was like, Sorry. this is going to be huge. Yeah. So now he's been wrong about two Twice. movies. Yeah. And the other movie was Top Gun. <laughs> But he was like, "It's not going to work. <laughs> this is this is not good." He didn't think Top he didn't Gun think was Top good. Gun was going to work. That's so he was wrong amazing. About that, and then he was wrong about Mager, oh, that's amazing. Good company, but like, but his his taste in comedy was so like I was just like the fact that he was in Top Secret. I was like, "This is great." And then what happens? Like, what, and then what, it, what, it, just to give people context, like the movie didn't is a cult hit and spawned a series. Yeah, um, yeah years later, and, 10, ten years later, yeah, but didn't do like big box office numbers akin to like bridesmaids or something. I mean, the things that were, it did box office. It just didn't do like mega. It, it wasn't really made its budget in, yeah. in box office, which and is then, not good. And then Popstar, I would say similarly did well, but it didn't do box. It didn't do mega. And then Hot Rod, same thing. And then Hot Rod, same thing. Yeah. It did yeah. well, but so didn't we do like mega. like cultish kind of movies. But you're, it's so, it's such a bummer when, when you're, uh, why you made something and and uh, like like is truly for you yeah. to like make your friends laugh and you think you're successful at it like I like I, I always knew like I'm like I'm very proud of 
hot rod. I'm very proud oh, of yeah. Spotlight for us us making hot rod, for us making a, a pop pop star, which is a very hard movie to make. We edited for seven and a half months on that. Like, oh like my we, gosh. We, we fucking worked that shit into like the shape it is. Oh yeah. And then McGruber, same thing. Like like we And it's uh, beloved. I mean, Pop Star, I think more people talk to me about Pop Star than any movie I've ever been in. And I'm only in it for five minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's, I mean, that's, people, it's beloved. Yeah, I mean, and 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 granted, like at this stage in having made stuff, like it was like it was, it, we would definitely sort of know, like, oh, people are going to find it six months, a year later, like 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 for the people that care, you know, like we've made things that I'm like, oh, I'm not embarrassed by these things, yeah, but like, but it's still having that like that initial weekend, like I mean, I, I've been with my wife for. 20 something years so like I don't know what that feeling of like a breakup would feel like but that's as close as I can imagine to the feeling of just like America doesn't like you right <laughs> so I think that opening weekend of being like oh you know I mean like Hot, Hot Rod came out same uh, it wasn't the same weekend but it was like right around the time that like um, Superbad came out and you were like oh that's success people love this shit right. so, and we were having like we were friends with like Jonah and those guys and like yeah. and, and they were all they Hell. all loved it Hell. they yeah Jonah fucking hell Jesus Jonah Hill. <laughs> I'm like the real Lauren of this podcast. <laughs> you know when Paul said to me, Simon or? <laughs> oh my God. So, uh, but you were friends with people who were having like like mega hits. And they liked it. Like, like, yeah, like, like I've always course. had like the moments of like, you know, like and after the fucking McGruber oh series, my God. like Stiller, Ben Stiller called and was like, it's so good. And like, and like, and so I've had those moments yeah. of like people that I really respect liking the yeah. stuff that we do, but not that moment of like the, which is like so great that like people love Bomber Springs. Like, oh my people God. Love, like, yeah. like, 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 uh, 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 Kiva's movie, Chippendale. Like, I mean, like to yeah. have an actual, which I wasn't involved with, but like, but like, but, it, but to have an actual success and be like, oh, people like this. And it seems like it did well. I mean, I don't know how you quantify fucking streaming, but like, you know, like. I think that the, we're going to wrap it up. I think the lesson, of, I think the lesson of the whole thing is three, threefold. Yeah. Make your own things. If you're creative and you're listening, yeah. make your own things instead of trying to pitch them. Yeah. Just oh, make yeah. whatever always, it is. Always. Small scale. Yeah. I mean, you guys were making stuff for practically nothing. Yeah. So I would say make your own things. And then I would also say um, uh, yes and a group. Like yes and with a group of people. Yeah. And uh, because what you guys did with Lonely Island is yes and this. And yes and even more bizarre. Yes and even more bizarre. And then I think the final lesson is that don't don't take sort of financial failure in the moment or, or whatever it is to be what the long game is of your piece of art, whatever it is, whether it's, it's painting or an improv group or sketch group or, or, or stand up or whatever it is, because you actually don't know. You literally didn't know. I was at your premiere of MacGruber, I and. And it didn't do the amount of business you thought, and you were really disappointed. And it's like now it's like a cult phenomenon and became a series like 10 years later. Yes. And those are my three lessons of the Yorma Tacone experience. Yes. Hey, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, you learn you learn from from all of it. And um, there was an article that Larry David wrote 15 years ago, or I can't remember how, how long ago, where he was he was talking about. LA versus New York and his quote about LA was and I think it just is applies to Hollywood was if you can't make it here you can't make it anywhere that's <laughs> so very think, funny <laughs> and I think that what he meant was is just like if you're reasonably intelligent and you just keep going yeah and you and you're and you keep learning and you don't take those failures as like a, I'm done like I gotta go become a lawyer or whatever, yeah. whatever it is so thing that like if you're a creative and you're and and you're and you're learning, just keep going. Yeah. And it, it will happen eventually. That's obviously a very fucking privileged position for me to be like, it's all, it works out. My dumb ideas are able to, but like, but like, but, but it's, I do think it's, I think it's true. Like, if, you know, and you, and you find, you find your, your, and even if it, if, if the thing that you're making is so, it's for the fucking 2% of America or the world, that's still a lot of people. The richest Americans. The richest, that's what I'm talking about. Just the, <laughs> the richest. No, but if it's some obscure, <laughs> no, no, I, I this like is what George, cartoon you want to do. There are people that want to see it. This is what George yeah. Carlin said, supposedly, and I always, I love that he said this, which is, he goes, I don't need to be popular with 90% with, with of people. I need to be popular with like 1% of people. Yeah. 
but I mean, really fucking and who popular. Who are really into it? Who are really into <laughs> and it? And they have money. And finally, we do working it out for a cause. Is there a nonprofit that you contribute to and will contribute to them, and we'll link to them in the show notes? Uh, Brooklyn Food Bank, I would say, should be the charity that people should donate to. It's well, very I, lovely that you do that. You and I both live here, and uh, this is uh, I've contributed to them before. Before it's foodbanknyc.org. We're going to contribute to them. We're going to link to them in the show notes. Thanks, Yorma, for coming, and uh, I can't wait to see what you do next. Thank you, Mike. It was a pleasure. <laughs> Come back anytime. <laughs> All right. Working it out, because it's not done. Working it out, because there's no That's going to do it for another episode of Working It Out. You can follow The Lonely Island on at The Lonely Island on Instagram. Andy Sandberg, Akiva Schaefer, Yorma Takone. Those brilliant, brilliant folks. I just can't wait to see what they do next. Our producers of Working It Out are myself, along with Joseph Berbiglia and Peter Salamone, associate producer Mabel Lewis, consulting producer Seth Barish, assistant producers Gary Simons and Lucy Jones, sound mix by Ben Cruz, supervising engineer Kate Belinsky, special thanks to Marissa Hurwitz and Josh Hafal, David Raphael, and Nina Quick. My consigliere is Mike Berkowitz, special thanks to Jack Antonoff and Bleachers for their music. Special thanks to my wife, the poet J-Hope Stein. Her book, Little Astronaut, is in bookstores now. Special thanks, as always, to my daughter, Una, who built the original radio fort made of pillows. Thanks most of all to you who are listening to our little podcast. We are approaching 100 episodes, and you can do us one favor. You know what that favor is. You know I don't even have to tell you. You go on Apple Podcasts, you just say literally in the comments, just say, what is your favorite episode? Because when you find a podcast, so often, you don't even know where to begin. People go, hey, you should listen to Working It Out. But but, but no one specifies, you got to listen to the episode with Zarni Garg. You got to listen to the episode with John Green. You got to listen to the episode with John Mulaney. And so what I'm saying to you is, you tell people. I'm putting it on you. But it, it actually really does help us out um, and it helps us sort of reach more folks. Again, thanks most of all to you who are listening. Tell your friends, tell your enemies. And if you if you don't have any more enemies, let's say you've converted all your enemies at this point. You've been listening to the podcast. You've been doing the homework, so to speak, converting enemies into listeners to the podcast. I would go out and make some new enemies. You know, you're on the subway. You're, you're, you're holding on to the, the bar. You can flash someone a look. They, they go, what are you looking at? You go, I, I, my eyes were just looking in that direction. I'm sorry about that. And they're like, what? And then you're like, let me tell you about this podcast. We're working out, everybody. I'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>